Colorblind diagnosis, it came completely out of the purple. <laughs> <laughs> During the week, Bella had the opportunity to interview Sarah Godfrey about mental health. Hi guys, it's Bella. Welcome back to the D Word podcast. Today we have our first interview, which is really exciting. We have Sarah Godfrey, who is a coaching psychologist and director of Mindset. She's also the author of Life Works When, which is a story of piecing happiness together for a successful life. Hi Sarah, thanks for coming on to the podcast. You're welcome, this is pretty exciting. I know, I you're, know. you're our first interview. Oh, I better do a good job then, hadn't I? Otherwise you won't have any more on here. Yeah. So can you tell us a bit about the book before we get into all the nitty-gritty sure as a psychologist for over 16 years and doing coaching a lot of my clients come with one basic question which is how to be happy and how to have a successful life yeah and instead of writing a very serious book I thought it might be fun to do a simple book which is pretty basic but has a real meaning behind each piece of the jigsaw so really what it is is a building block to a successful and happy life and it just gives you a guideline and food for thought about which areas of your life Life, you may need to invest in order to get somewhere towards a happier and more successful life. I have to say, it's a great book. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Did you like the drawing? Oh, I love the drawing. She's a great artist, Carol Gray. She did Shout all the. Shout out uh, to you, Carol. Yeah, indeed. She's very funny. And at the end of the book, there's bloopers where the little characters all do things wrong, just like we do in normal life. You know, the funny thing is, that's actually a really great idea because a lot of books I've read, they just get straight to the point, they do the middle, beginning, end, and that's it. But having the characters actually like involved almost like it's a movie like Pixar yeah Toy Pixar. Story yeah. yeah that was where the idea came from and mainly working with the artist Carol we were having a great laugh developing these little characters Mo which is modus operandi which is the way that he goes about life and Hap for happy and we're having so much fun designing them that we spent one night making the bloopers and decided to put it in because life is about mistakes it and is. it's about having fun and being silly sometimes amen to that <laughs> so the first first puzzle piece you have is self-care. If you remember last podcast, we actually did a whole episode yeah, on it. Yeah, it's a good podcast. Thank you. My question to you is, what do you advise people do as part of self-care? I think we can get too complicated with our well-being, and certainly I'm a real big fan of keeping things simple. Yeah. So I think self-care is starting from the basics. It's about grooming. It's about keeping your environment tidy. It's about doing small things, eating well. Don't drink alcohol to excess, you guys out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> About balance. So I really wanted to say we can't build happiness and success if we don't have a platform to build from. And so one of the foundations is self-care. Master that. Look after yourself. Treat yourself as if you were something very unique and special. And as you start to do that, you'll see that your self-esteem and self-love begins to grow and people will treat you differently too. In the disability community, 
anxiety, I think that's very hard sometimes because often it's very difficult. Yeah, as we touched on last Yeah, time. and it is. It's like that's just the truth. It is very difficult and it's still so very important to make a big effort even when you don't want to and you're frustrated and you're fed up or even if you can't see the purpose of it. So start with self-care. Look after yourself as if you're the most valuable thing on the planet and things will build from there. Yeah, I'm just laughing because I know I still struggle so much with self-care. And that's okay. It's not about perfection. It's about making a conscious effort every day to do at least one or two things yes. that show that you're really invested in looking after yourself and add on to that. So, you know, as you get better and better at caring for yourself, add more things on. I guess we kind of touched on this, but where would you say people tend to go wrong? I think they give up too quickly. Mm. So, you know, you're having a bad day or you're feeling unhappy or life hasn't dealt you the cards you want and you start to give up. So you might get out of bed and not get dressed or you might get out of bed really late and not have a shower. Those are the starting points of a decline. The idea is get out of bed get showered get fresh get clean for the day really making each day as if this could be the best day of your life and you don't know who you're going to meet people could come into your house you don't know so let's make the house a really warm rewarding place and let's make you your physical well-being and the way that you present yourself to the world an indication of your own pride and self-love so start small get out of bed get dressed have a shower that might be it for the day well that's something my mom has really installed in me is you never know who you're going to run into or you never know what's going to happen that day so make sure you look your best you yeah. feel your best be prepared for a great day you never know you could run into Zac Efron oh, yeah well. I'm not sure and about you, that in Melbourne, but... Yeah, you could run into him and look like a slob. <laughs> well, after this podcast, he may just touch base. Oh, Zach, if you're listening, <laughs> we love you. So the next piece is about purpose. Yeah. This is a pretty open-ended question, but when would you say you found your purpose? Oh, okay. Didn't yeah. Didn't that one coming. It's a deep one. A deep and meaningful era, DNM. My purpose, I think I found very early on in life that the one skill I had naturally was with people and the ability to make people feel calm and open and honest around me. Yeah. And that kind of knack just steered me always towards working with people. I think each decade as I look at my life, because I am old now, is, old. <laughs> is that purpose shifts and changes. So what my purpose was when I was in my 20s, like you, isn't the same as it is now mm. in my life. So I don't think we have to wake up and go, that is my purpose. I think we tried lots of different passions in life. Yeah. And try to do our best at them but if it doesn't work out just be really happy you gave it a go and then start exactly. a new passion so purpose can be career it can be relationships it can be your own self-development but find a passion yeah. and work on it funny you say that because i'm 22 and when i was 16 i was like at 22 i want to be here i want to be doing this i want to be with this person i don't think i've actually found it until this podcast really because i'm loving this yeah you know when you found yeah. your purpose because it's just just easy it doesn't it really seem is. so hard that doesn't mean having a passion isn't hard work but I think it's okay for us to drift a little and, and try lots of things until we find the thing that we love and that we're good at we can't all be good at everything but we can find the thing we're really good at and no one said you have to have complete direction by a certain age no I think set goals goals yeah. are great to keep us motivated and happy I agree but if you don't reach the goal change the goal exactly do something different so always be flexible 
and adaptable in life. I agree. About failure, do uh-huh. you think that is linked to purpose? I think you can't find a true purpose or be good at it if you don't fail. So yeah. there's a lot of fear about failure, that it means that you're no good. That's or, what I was going to yeah. say. Be fearless. Failure just teaches us how to do it better mm-hmm. or that that's not for us. So I think it's important to always try. Give it a shot. It doesn't really matter if it doesn't work out. It just means it's not for you. So mm-hmm. try something different. Embrace failure. It's where you learn. When we're successful, all we learn is how to be happy. We're like, oh, great. That was wonderful. I'm successful. And we sit back and enjoy our success. Mm-hmm. When we fail, it challenges us. It makes us draw on our strengths. It makes us think differently about what we're doing. And it really is an important part of self-growth. Get out there. Give something a go. If you fail, shrug it off and try something new. Exactly. It's like if you fail at something, it's not the world saying that's it, never do it again. It's just not at all. Go about it. Maybe Think about it differently. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you went about it the wrong way. Yeah. Maybe you needed more support. Maybe you needed to think about it a little bit more. Maybe you're just not ready. Yeah. You may not have been ready to do this amazing podcast two years ago. Oh, God, no. Now you no. are. And that's the idea is just let life guide you a little bit. But get out there and give everything a shot. I'm a full believer in what is supposed to happen will happen when it's supposed to. So purpose is an important part of failure because they go hand in hand. The mm. more you fail, the better you get at life. So this one is going down the disability route a little bit, but mm. that's okay. That's, that's what we're here me. for. Yep, that is why we're here. Belonging. How does it impact someone with a disability? I think as a concept of success and happiness and why I put it in my book was fundamentally, if we don't feel like we belong, we are at a loose end. We are social creatures mm. as human beings. We are not loners, although if you people enjoy their own time so being part of something being part of a group an organization even being part of the disability tribe is the sense of belonging but you have to connect and put effort in and maintain it with people with disabilities like yourself hitting the school environment is so hard I had a love-hate relationship with school (laughs) Yeah, well, most people do. Certainly, I think it would have been harder being in a wheelchair because you suddenly come against things like discrimination, Mm -hmm. access, and people's misconceptions about what you can offer. So the idea of belonging, which is really strong in adolescence in high school, is quite shattered for a lot of people with disabilities as the world out there keeps telling them they don't belong. They're not invited to parties, you know. You're not invited to things. It all becomes in the too hard basket Mm. for people. And then it affects your mental health when that kind of stuff happens because I remember I was barely invited to any during school. After I graduated, I was more into society, more into having my own posse, if you will. I think you're a great living storyline about how belonging can really affect your mental health Mm -hmm. and make you feel you have no value, but you might find your sense of belonging at different times in your life. Exactly. You found yours after school and it's been amazing, but other people may struggle. It may be later in life. Mm -hmm. Other people my other found they had a great sense of belonging when they were younger when people are a little bit less harsh on yeah. understanding how to move and be and support people with disabilities I think that's a good point because I think it is all about understanding and about education I think so people are always scared of what they don't know yeah. so if people haven't grown up with anyone with a disability near them or in the family it's an unknown and when there's unknowns people get anxious and they just get silly about how to mm. interact what they 
they just need to do is just walk up and include. Yeah, we're people. So I think belonging is particularly hard for a lot of people in the disability tribe, mm. but it doesn't mean you don't try. It doesn't no. mean you don't give up. You just have to keep thinking that you will find your community, you will find your tribe, and you'll only do that by getting out in the world and trying things, being fearless and not limiting yourself. That's exactly right. I'm 22 and I've only just found my posse mm. and my life for life. It like, looks like you girls, well, it was all worth the wait. Oh my God, six months of hard work and it's finally paid off. That's right. And that's the thing, life is long. So don't panic if at 15 you're not in a popular group or exactly. at 20 you don't have a partner. I think you've just got to sit back in life and again, keep your purpose front and centre. And in that, things will be drawn towards you. And I think what we touched on last podcast was having friends and having that group of people. Because I think having that group of people you can celebrate their success and that gives you a piece of their happiness. Oh, you're so right, Bella. That's a really great point. Wish I said it myself. <laughs> because if you can't belong, and this is really relevant to a lot of the disability community, if you can't belong because of restrictions and access, then share what others are doing. Like get full into it. Celebrate what other people are doing and be part of it in that way. Mm-hmm. And you'll still have a sense of belonging and connection. And if someone's happy, right, and they've shared their excitement their achievement whatever mm. you feel it yourself you can feel their energy mm. absolutely and we get happiness from celebrating what others do so it's not mm. really jealous and bitter and angry that yeah. it's not you yeah flip it around and be really excited that it's someone and they could mentor you or they're preparing a pathway forward like dylan you know he's amazing we love you, dylan. <laughs> well he's just incredible how he's clearing a path forward for absolutely. all people with disabilities into the public eye so instead of you know um, putting him down it's really celebrating that and being really proud and being part of that yeah I was watching the footy show the other night Mm. and lo and behold guess who's on my screen yeah like it's just refreshing and amazing and he's probably a person that never gave up on his passion and purpose so we can look at people who are highly successful and instead of feeling bitter or envious we can just look at them as models and try and achieve like them go well if they can do it you know what's stopping you yeah that's right I guess we've covered all this but what do you think is self-esteem? <laughs> oh, there's a million-dollar question. Yeah. Isn't it? Oh. That's the most frequently asked question ever. How can I find self-esteem? And this is why I did the book, and this is why I did the book in such a simple manner so everyone can tap into it. Self-esteem comes from having self-care, investing in your own care. It's from finding passion and purpose. It starts to get you excited and driven. It's belonging, feeling a part of bigger things than just your own life. That builds self-esteem. Self-esteem is fluid. You don't have wow self-esteem all your life. It comes and goes. It's affected by life. It's affected by your own thinking patterns. So the idea is don't expect to feel great 24-7, but continually work on the thoughts in your head and the activities around you and the people around you to build that sense of worth and value and keep it a really open heart towards yourself. Self-esteem could be called self-compassion. It definitely could. (laughs) And look, if anyone listening is really struggling with their self-esteem or self-compassion they can go to my website sarahgodfrey.com.au and there's free online courses there on self-esteem self-compassion 
and getting rid of self-fear and I made them free because I think everyone should be able to access like this book some tips on how to stop putting yourself down Agreed. and how to grow your success and happiness I did the course oh did you now and it was <laughs> so helpful oh I'm glad like Thanks. I found myself not talking to myself as negatively as I would oh excellent because that's a starting point yeah you know how it, we talk about ourselves with our internal critic can be just awful when you stop to listen to it it is really hard mm. but your course really did help well good if it helps one <laughs> then I'm really happy it's free go and who give it a go who doesn't love freebies that's right who doesn't love free stuff free stuff is amazing so throughout your book you have a really strong message of authenticity how would you describe authenticity I think authenticity is about being real. So it's very hard sometimes, particularly with social media and the influences out there, to stay true to yourself and not be highly influenced about what you should look like, what you should do, whether you're acceptable or not. Authenticity is staying true to your own values. So it's about believing in yourself, believing in your opinion, being able to stand proud and true to who you are and about existing in that authentic space. So being valuable within yourself is important. Authenticity makes us real to people. It's a sense of truth. So when we're not being real, we're being fake and people pick it up, Yeah. but we don't feel good. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not being who I truly am and I'm trying to impress everyone and put on some kind of thing for everybody, I look fake, I feel fake, and then that builds into that false imposter syndrome. Yeah. I don't ever feel like I'm myself. I always feel like I'm putting on some kind of mask for the world. Mm. At the end of the road, people are going to like you for who you are or not. So you may as well just start off being you exactly. and that way if they don't like you they can move on and find someone else and if they do like you then you know they like you for you and mm. not for the act that you've put on. You don't want to start a friendship, relationship, whatever based on fakeness. Well you don't want to be in this world pretending to be something yeah. you're not yeah. because you are enough, you're unique there's nothing like you, mm-hmm. you're amazing and if you build your self-care your purpose and passion, get belonging with different people and groups, building that self-esteem, you will be authentic because you'll be strong within yourself. And I think when you touched on social media, uh-huh. I think that is so true. I think we tend to, and I did, I'm trying to stop now, but we do compare ourselves. Mm. I call social media the drug of the disconnected. It's not a place where you should be looking for your self-esteem. No. And it's certainly not a place where you should be looking for ideas of who you should be. No. That comes from people who love you and from your own experiences in mm. life. It's very much, you look at an Instagram model and you automatically start saying, well I'm not as skinny as her I'm not as pretty as her yes you are (laughs) well you are but more than that why do you want to be her exactly be yourself focus on who you are they're doing their thing you do you they'll do them yeah well I think that is the end of our interview today thank you so much just before we go I would like to give 10 of your listeners a free book my free book which comes with a happiness assessment so what should we do maybe they could write in and tell us one thing they love about themselves yeah and the first 10 to send an email in will send my book with a little happiness assessment to them free yeah. i'm obviously very big into free at the mm. moment oh. aren't I? <laughs> but free is fantastic we yeah. love free Share the d word <laughs> yeah. we love free just a reminder our email is the d word podcast at gmail.com but thank you so much for coming it's in it's been really fun actually having thanks. a bit of a chat thanks for having me it's a great idea you've got going here i love that you are three powerful women who happen to have disabilities so you know i wish you the best it's thank gonna be great. you thank you so much cheers what a great interview you did with sarah thank you that was yeah really well done. that was wonderful
What I feel like wasn't covered is shame and isolation. So I think shame is a really big thing within the disability community because we feel a lot of shame that we don't necessarily need to feel. So for instance, things like our disability, we always feel a bit of shame about not being able to do things that we feel like we should be able to. So we live in a non-disabled world and we think we should just be able to do things and then find out they're really hard to do. Like something as simple as making a bed. So hard. That is such mm-hmm. a cardio workout. Mm. Like I have to ask someone for help to make my bed. Yeah. And they're like, seriously, why? And it's like, it's really hard. Yep. I don't have the balance, nor do I have the height to actually put my doona on my cover. But you don't have this kind of shame when you're living at home and then you move out and you get someone else to come in and do things for you. And then you're like, oh, I feel like I should be able to do these things. And yeah, you go to do it and you end up either doing it, but you're covered in sweat yeah. or uh, you just give up because you're like, nah, too hard basket. And then there's this sense of why can't I do it? Mm. And I think that's where the shame comes in. Yeah. Like, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. And you get this whole, why can't I do it? Everyone else can, so I should be able to do it. But reality is, some things are just more difficult as a disabled person. Mm. And then there's shame for things like, you know, things you used to be able to do, say, as a kid. Like, I used to walk around a lot as a kid. And now I can barely walk without my walking sticks. And there's a bit of, I guess, not communicating that to a lot of people so you'll see someone you haven't seen in ages and they'll just be like why are you using your wheelchair you can walk you can do this you know what are you doing and you're like "Mm, actually can't now and then there's the shame of that because you feel like well this is my doing maybe I stop walking as much and that's why I can't do it or I don't do enough physio but sometimes it's just your body being a jerk that's just a part of life for everyone though I think Mm -hmm. abled disabled we all grow up we all have things that we can't do when we're older that we could have done when we were younger it is a struggle regardless of your capabilities in that point of time it's this thing called life where you grow up and you can't do certain things anymore like people when they're younger can do the splits when you're older you might not be able to anymore that's nothing to be ashamed of Mm. It's just growing up. I did the splits once. You did? Yeah. I did it once. And was it the most painful thing on the planet? I don't quite remember because I think I was probably about seven at the time. Yeah. What you're saying, I think it's more for disabled people Mm. because that timeline is a lot quicker. Definitely. Like we will get a lot more less able to do things a lot quicker than say an able-bodied person. And other things, I know that you've talked about this, maybe not previously on our podcast with Bella, about feeling like a burden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to quickly put out there that um, I know personally for me, at one point in my life, I felt like I was a burden to have emotions on top of having Spider-Bipeda. Mm. So with everything that comes with having a disability, um, having emotions and like feeling angry or upset or whatever over minuscule things, which what do you think is minuscule? I felt like I was a burden to my parents and to my family because I was like, they have so much to deal with with me having Spider-Bipeda mm. that... I don't want to be like, oh, I'm unhappy about this or blah, 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 blah. So I hid my emotions. Mm. Don't because that just boils up and it explodes. And it's not fun to deal with when it does explode. So I just want to let people know that if you do feel something and you do have a disability, it's okay to be emotional and it's okay to say, I'm not happy about this. You know, let your emotions out. It's okay. 
One thing I really struggled with growing up was the isolation that some people get with having a disability. I feel like some of our social skills weren't really that great growing mm. up because we never had that chance to really mm. develop them mm. because we didn't really mingle with a lot of people because there was a lot of taboo about approaching someone with a disability because it's a scary subject and they just aren't sure about how we're going to respond. Yeah. So I feel like I was very isolated growing up particularly in school I didn't have all that many friends throughout school and I was always going from group group to try and find my tribe I think that there was a lot of isolation in terms of segregation for instance PE how many of you were included in PE? <laughs> yeah that was a joke nah. nah it was all too hard to include someone with a disability in sport so nowadays a lot of women especially don't play sport because they don't think they can because they never tried it at school because PE teachers were like sorry you're disabled and it's too hard to hire a whole bunch of wheelchairs and get everyone in wheelchairs or it's too hard to change the program to make it inclusive. I remember when we did have those days in PE where they bring in I think it was even from DSR maybe and they would bring in a whole bunch of wheelchairs. I was treated like a queen on those days because everyone understood what it's like even if we were just playing basketball for an hour everyone understood what it was like just for that hour to be in a wheelchair and how difficult it is to maneuver it and how you know it's weird not being able to move the lower half of your body and so everyone was very nice to me on those days it was lovely yeah that's what inclusion looks like getting everyone in the same position i think that's what i love about wheelchair football at the moment because it is showing inclusiveness to the absolute max because there is able-bodied people and there is disabled people playing the same sport at the same time in the same place. Another really good thing about the interview you've done with Sarah is you talk about self-esteem and school and I know that for me my self-esteem then and probably now is very low when it comes to feeling smart so my issue was that I never ever in my life have ever felt confident in doing mm. something. I always thought nah I'm not smart enough to do math, I'm not smart enough to do further education, I'm not smart enough to get this job and it's really affected my whole life. I've never really acknowledged it from primary school upwards. I've never been like, oh, this is an issue. I really need to work on mm. my self-confidence and my self-esteem. I was just like, nah, I'm an idiot and that's it. Like, end of story. I think we'll get back to this on another podcast. We all have a thing called hydrocephalus and that is partly to do with the fact that you might have not done further education or a further math or a further English because as a part of hydrocephalus, sometimes we need extra help in learning certain things so I think part of it is the fact that we do have this other thing going on and it's not just because we're dumb and then as I got older I started to have a little bit more disability pride and more respect I guess for myself and trying to purposely pump up my self-esteem I did things like my self-talk was never really good and it still isn't especially with the whole being smart but I was like yeah your body's great doesn't matter that you have scars wear shorts when it's hot I really tried to work on my self-esteem and I think when I hit the 
age of around, I think, 24, that's when I realised that I'm not going to just magically wake up able-bodied the next day, mm. you know, you need to work on things. And that's when I was like, you know what, nah, I'm going to start respecting and loving myself more. And that's when all that self-care and etc. comes into it. I agree. As Sarah had mentioned in the interview, we're giving away 10 Life Works When books and happiness assessment. All you have to do is email us at dwordpodcast at gmail.com and tell us what you love about yourself. First 10 people to email us will receive the copy of the book and the assessment. So good luck, everyone. If this podcast has raised anything for you, you can phone Kids Helpline on 1-800-55-1800. Beyond Blue on 1300 651 251, Lifeline on 13 11 14, 